keeps moving, doesn't he? God keeps moving, and we want to keep listening, and we want to keep joining him in what he's doing. Uh, the world is trying to distract us. The world is trying to get us to pay attention to it. A uh, lot of concerns, a lot of needs. You know, you, you start going along, and pretty soon all of a sudden you have a water leak in your house, huh? A number of us have had that lately. What's up with that? It's all, it's all happening to all of us. And we, we get focused on that. We might get distracted. We might get discouraged. The Lord is still good, and he's still moving. And we're still moving through the book of Acts because God keeps acting as he's acting today. And so we want to continue in our study of the book of Acts, and it brings us to chapter 19. You know, in our culture, our Christian culture, our modern-day church culture, we have certain doctrines that we're slow to embrace, wouldn't you say? Do you realize that? There are certain doctrines we have, and you know personally, you're, you've maybe been slow to embrace them, or the church is sometimes slow to embrace them. Or we have Christian experiences that we can tend to sometimes want to avoid or resist, even be afraid of, instead of understanding them and receiving them. It's just kind of funny that we, we get fearful once we're in Christ. We have nothing to fear from Christ. But yet, we do feel that. Our flesh feels that. And some of these include, I just want to name some of them, and you might, some of them on, you might have your own list, but here's some of them. Tithing or biblical giving. Oh my gosh, does that create conflict with people. There's fear that when we give something, we're going to be less, left with less. And yet God has said, trust me, I'll meet your need over and above if you'll obediently give in faith. And I'll use you for my glory, because as you give, it will be given unto you. But man, do we have a lot of barriers. We have a lot of rationalization that surrounds reasons why we as a believer do not give a full tithe and why we don't grow to give generously beyond a tithe. Right? And even when I'm saying that, people are kind of going, oh man, oh gosh. Don't feel bad, just know that's a reality. There's no reason to have that fear, but you have it, and some of us do have it. There's another one. What about having a theology of suffering and loss? Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? <laughs> a, 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 a theology of suffering and loss in our consumer culture of having it all, always succeeding, always triumphing? triumphing? No. No, suffering and loss are not good selling points for coming to faith in Jesus. Is, would you agree? Probably not really good. But they're so important in understanding love. So important in building the kingdom. So important in joining Jesus in the work that he's doing. We want to avoid it, though, and we want to kind of forget about it. But then there's also believers' baptism. Believe it or not, baptism. I've repented of my sins, I've believed in Jesus, I've received him as Lord of my life. Why do I need to get into water in public? Come on, and get dunked underneath and then raised back up. I mean, really, it's kind of, kind of bizarre. And it's a little embarrassing, isn't it? To do that in front of people. And so we drag our feet. And we don't want to be baptized, right, because of that. Why? These things are such beautiful opportunities for life, expressions of freedom, ways that God can bless us, and yet we're not sure about them. We keep them at arm's length and we kind of embrace them slowly. You know, maybe you have other doctrines, other experiences that you would put on your list, 
But this morning, I want to add one more to our list, and it's really germane to what we're talking about today. The Apostle Paul, he ran into this in Acts chapter 19, and it's really going to shape our discussion today. For different reasons, in some parts of our church, we have disciples who really have a little working knowledge of the Holy Spirit. You feel like that's the one person of the Trinity you just don't get and you don't understand. And if there's one person of the Trinity, we feel like we have very little uh, understanding. Also, we have very little experience of him as well. And there are different reasons for why we have little experience at times with the Spirit of God. Christians haven't, have felt apprehensive about receiving the Holy Spirit because they simply don't know that there is a Holy Spirit or that they're supposed to receive him as a part of coming into relationship with him. How many of us, when we were led to faith, were told that as a part of your faith and your acceptance of Christ, you are now to be baptized and you are now to, to receive and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit? My guess would be that most of you never heard that final part. That wasn't a part of how a person led you to Christ. I don't get why that is, and I have the same experience as you, right? But that is the reason it is. We, we don't receive him because we don't know him. We don't know that he's theirs. Others don't receive him because they're afraid of him. They're afraid of his power. They're afraid of his gifts. They've been in the church. They've heard the wild stories. Are we going to start handling snakes during worship? No. no. Jason says no. No. Am I going to start speaking in a tongue and running around through the church? Am I going to become a fanatic that nobody can relate to because I'm so in the spirit that I'm not very real? I seem like a caricature of an individual, and really people want to avoid me? And we're afraid of those things. We have apprehension about these things. And the reason we have apprehension about being filled with the Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit along with these other doctrines that I've described earlier, is because some of us need a mature believer. We need somebody to come alongside us and explain to us the way of God, the gospel and our faith, more adequately. We need it to be explained more adequately. It's just, it's a part of the discipleship journey. But I'm also here to say that some of the reason why we haven't received some of these things or we have apprehensions about him, is because the devil has worked overtime. He's worked overtime on a propaganda campaign to keep us doubting, to keep us afraid of receiving the Holy Spirit, to keep us from fellowshipping with him and keeping pace with him. So this morning, we want to learn from Paul's encounter with 12 guys. He met 12 men who really had a hole, they had some holes in their understanding of their faith, and, and they had some holes in their practice of their faith. They had inadequacies. And so he meets them, and he tries to help them to understand what they have believed, and then to receive the fullness of the gospel. And it takes these 12 men in a totally different direction. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open it to Acts chapter 19, and let's read verses 1 through 7, and let's hear about this little encounter that really is rich for us today. While Apollos 
And really, this thing kind of starts Apollos. You don't even know about Apollos, right? He comes in at the end of chapter 18. Apollos was a believer, and he had an inadequate understanding of the gospel. Only knew about the baptism of John the Baptist, which was a baptism of repentance. He knew about Jesus. He could teach accurately about Jesus, but he didn't know about being baptized in the name of Jesus, and he didn't know what that baptism meant. And he didn't know about receiving the Holy Spirit. But Priscilla and Aquila took him aside, had him over for lunch, and they explained the whole thing to him, and he gained a fuller knowledge. And then he went out, and he was a powerful preacher for Jesus, had a powerful ministry. But he had been teaching already with this inadequate gospel for quite some time in Ephesus before they met up. Paul is now following Apollos in Ephesus. And more than likely, Paul is running into some of this insufficient teaching with these 12 men. So let's go back to our passage. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus. That's where Apollos had been before. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, and we don't know where he found them. We don't know if he found them at the synagogue, in the church, in the marketplace, where. But he found these 12. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. I love their honesty and straightforwardness. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Okay. So Paul asks, then what baptism did you receive? John the Baptist, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That's it. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, hey, you need to focus on that and on what that gospel truth means for you. And it says on hearing this, they were baptized then in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because they hadn't been baptized in his name yet. When Paul then, after their baptism, placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Just as you've heard this happen on a number of different occasions throughout the book of Acts, you've also heard when this gift has come, and speaking in tongues or prophesying, you don't hear that specifically, but the Spirit nevertheless has come. In this instance, it comes like it did at Pentecost. He comes. And then it says, that there were about 12 men in all who received this. What a great little passage. What a great little passage. What does it have to teach us today that we need to get so that we can have an adequate and full understanding of the gospel? Amen? And so we're going we're gonna to kind of frame this message around a few questions. And they're questions that Paul asked. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed right he must have saw something that caused him to ask that question paul here is on this his third missionary journey he's he's worked his way through lower asia minor visiting churches that he had founded already strengthening them and now he's here in ephesus and he's going to stay for a couple years just over a couple years he's going to stay there preaching in ephesus and teaching and he's following apollos right Apollos' ministry there that's talked about in Acts 18, 24 through 28. And what's important to note, as I talked before, is that, G that Apollos taught accurately about Jesus. 
though he only knew the baptism of John. That's what it tells us in Acts 18.25. So, so previous to Paul coming to Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila, they had heard Apollos speak, and so they had him over, like I said before, and they instructed him. In baptism, undoubtedly, as well as in receiving the Holy Spirit, they gave him the full teaching of the gospel. But it seems like his, the effects of his inadequate teaching, it continued on in these 12 disciples who were in the Ephesus church. So Luke, the author of Acts, says this about these 12 men. He calls them disciples. And this is important to note. He doesn't call them disciples of John the Baptist. He doesn't call them followers of Judaism. He simply calls them disciples, which always indicates that these people are Christians. They're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're disciples of Jesus. They're followers of Christ. But these followers of Christ answered Paul's question, have you been filled, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? They answered it, no. We've not received the Holy Spirit when we believed. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's where they were. Hmm, that seems odd. But that's exactly what I experienced. After I came to Jesus, after I repented of my sin and made him Lord of my life. How many of you experienced the same thing? You didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit when you believed. You didn't hear people talking about it. Anybody else experience that in the church? Well, not if you're in this church, you haven't, because we talk about it. But I see some raise their hands and go, yeah, because in the churches that you were raised up in, they didn't talk about it. Wow. My burdens were lifted when I accepted Christ. I don't know about you. My fear, the apprehension I had in my life was gone. I knew God loved me for the very first time. I had freedom for the first time in my life to be me to be who I was called and created to be. There, I had all sorts of joy, all sorts of hope, all of this coursing through me. I was a new creation, a son of God. But here I was, I had no understanding of the Holy Spirit. How can that be? How can that be? It wasn't until I'd been a Christian for about a year, and I was reading through the New Testament because I peeled through it real quick, and then I started going through it again in the first year I was in the Lord, because I wanted to know about this faith I, I believed in, and this God that I was loving and who was revealing himself to me. And, and as I read through the New Testament, and especially through the books of Acts and Galatians and, and other books, I went, hey, and maybe you did this too. I, you've got God the Father, the Creator. You've got God the Son, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh who came. But who is this Holy Spirit that the followers of Christ are receiving who gives them power and gifts? Who is he? Because I thought, man, I don't, I don't know about this. No one around me was talking about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. No one around me. No one around me. I, I didn't know I was supposed to pray to receive the Holy Spirit and wait for his coming. I don't know about you. And in the beginning, I wasn't really sure what or who the Spirit was. Was the Spirit an it? Was, was the Spirit the Spirit of Jesus? Because sometimes it talked as if Jesus and the Spirit were interchangeable. Was it was God? Was it God in spirit form? The Father in spirit form? What was this? And I had no idea, but I, I went on a search. 
And I knew God was going to speak to me and help me understand it. And so I began to talk about it. I began to ask people about it. And I knew I was going to be going on a retreat where I was going to be able to get away and talk to God about it and talk to others about it. And I was hoping and believing I was going to find answers. And I certainly did. Now, our passage tells us that these 12 men that Paul met were disciples, they were believers, they were followers of Jesus, just as I was a disciple, a believer, a follower of Jesus. Yet Paul writes this in Romans 8 9. And I want you to see the scripture because it's a little alarming when you don't know anything about the Spirit. He says this, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Did you just hear that? If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, that's a pretty definitive statement. That made me curl my toes a little bit and sit up and go, okay, I'm listening, because I'm wondering, where am I in this thing? Okay, he goes on in verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Oh, there's a connection with the Spirit and God. What is this? Is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. And I remember thinking, I knew right away, and I didn't know the church answer to say, but I knew right away after I accepted Christ and I saw him that he was in me. He was in my heart. He was in me. But the Spirit, what does that mean? Next it says in verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Am I being led by the Spirit of God? I'm talking to Jesus. I'm trying to do his will. I'm trying to be obedient to him. Is, is, am I supposed to be led in a different way? Is there more to this? And lastly, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But when we accepted Jesus as Lord, we can say that. We accepted that, if indeed we did. I said it was all or nothing. Either you become Lord of my life and make me brand new, or I don't give my life to you. And I heard the Lord say in my heart, I will. And I did. And he did. He was Lord. He was Lord. So that must mean that the Holy Spirit's there. Therefore, if these 12 men, if they couldn't answer with a yes to Paul's question, though there's still this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? All of a sudden you realize, man, Houston, we got a problem here. There is something going on here. We either have a deficiency in our understanding of the whole gospel, or we have a deficiency in our faith experience. There's a step that hasn't been taken. There's a step that's been missed. To some degree, it's probably both. A both a lack of understanding, as well as maybe a lack of taking a step in experience. And, and you're just not quite there yet. So at this point, Paul understands something with these men. They said, no, I wouldn't even know he exists. Well, he understands something. And so he asks one more question. And that's what a good shepherd does, right? A good shepherd, a good discipler, they ask questions. They ask questions to find out. And so we ask questions to get a fuller understanding of their experience of faith and a fuller understanding of the truth that they understand of the kingdom. 
And so he asked this question. Then what baptism did you receive? What baptism did you receive? You notice we got, you got to receive the Holy Spirit. You got to receive baptism. What things are we receiving? Hmm. The 12, 12 openly replied, John's baptism. That's the baptism we receive. This seems like clear evidence of the hand of Apollos, doesn't it? His teaching, which was not quite there. But Paul doesn't criticize Apollos. Rather, he brings these 12 up to speed by explaining that John's baptism was a preparatory and a provisional baptism. It was designed to bring God's people to repentance by showing them their sinfulness and stressing that and thus creating in them a need for the gospel. You are sinners, you have sinned, you need to repent before God. And so they were baptized for repentance. But there's more in the gospel than just repenting. There's more in the gospel by just being baptized for repentance. John's baptism pointed to this need for baptism and forgiveness, but the forgiveness that would be available for everyone didn't come until the Messiah came till the Messiah laid down his life in payment for our sins. Now there's a shift. That's why Paul told his people, you've got to believe in the one coming after me. That is Jesus. See, in those few words that Paul said to them, that John the Baptist even said to his disciples, but they didn't get, that, that affects a great change and did for these 12 disciples. Their attention shifted from John the Baptist to Jesus. We're no longer believing in John the Baptist and in the baptism of repentance. We're believing in Jesus and what his death and resurrection brought us. We're believing in Jesus. So notice something. Paul called them not to receive the Spirit, but he called them to believe in Jesus. They had to believe in Jesus first. And they had, but they had to declare their allegiance and their, their witness for him and their commitment to him in baptism. And so, the, so in the beginning, he didn't call them straight to receiving the Spirit. He called them to fully believe in Jesus and put their focus on Jesus. And as they did, the Bible tells us they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were re-baptized. Because believers' baptism... And being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is different than being baptized into repentance. Right? And how is that different? See, they, they, they had to move from being under the sway of John to under the lordship of Jesus. And we know that it's different because when we, we baptize, we say, what do we say? We, you're placed down into the water in baptism. It symbolizes you're dying to sin and to your old way of living. Right? And you're submitting to that process and to that death. When you're under the water, you're dead and you're leaving behind that sin, that old life that you lived in sin, and that old life where you lived under the power of your flesh. How are you brought back from the dead then and from the water? It's not by your own power, but the power of the person baptizing you. They raise you. Symbolizing that it's God who raises you. God who causes you and me to be born again to a new life. 
It's through the power of His Spirit, not our own power, that we're brought back out of the water to a new life. And He gives us new power then to live in a new way. We've left our sin in the grave, but we've risen now in the power of God in this new life. And that sets the tone for the rest of our lives. Then I want to live by the power, I want to live under the direction, under the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. But do all of us fully understand that when we're being baptized? Maybe not. Maybe not. But hopefully we understand it now if we didn't understand it before. If you want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want to experience the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, then Peter says this in Acts 2, 38-39, and we'll have it up here on the board and you can write that down. This is what Peter said, repent. But you can't repent until you believe, right? So believe and then repent, and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, and all for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now let's go back just to the steps, these formative steps. You can call them steps, you can call it a progression, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it a recipe with ingredients in it because actually a couple of these ingredients can be interchangeable and we see that in scripture. But it typically begins by you believing in Jesus. At some point, we all have to believe in Jesus. We have to hear his truth, his gospel, and believe in him. Then we declare our faith and allegiance to him in baptism. And we declare how we are now going to live in baptism by the power of the Spirit. And then, then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we know that the step of receiving the Spirit and the step of declaring baptism, that could be flip-flop sometimes. Because we know that Cornelius, when Peter came and preached to them and told them the truth and they heard the gospel, they believed it. And bam, they were filled with the Spirit and had all the gifts that came, and it happened before they were baptized. Son of a gun. I just like it how God likes to mess up with our, our really tight little steps and our recipes, and he changes the recipe around. But the recipe works just as well that way. What's important is to have those steps in it. Right? And so we know that this, those two can interchange. But then the next one is, after we've believed, after we've declared our allegiance and baptism and our understanding of how we're going to live our life in the power of the Spirit, and then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, now we enjoy and we step forward in service and we follow the lead of the Spirit of God as children of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's biblical. That's what you do after the fact is you enjoy him, you serve him, and you follow his lead <coughs> in the power of the Spirit as children of God and co-heirs with Christ. You're a co-heir. You become like him. So these 12 disciples, they couldn't follow this. They, these 12 disciples could follow this progression. They could follow this experience into the full gospel. They could do that now because Paul explained it to them. And he led them in it. Just like we have to do with people when we're leading them to Christ. 
We've got to let them know the full gospel, the adequate gospel, the complete gospel. And Paul did that for these disciples. But there are other questions, like question three on your outline. What is the relationship between the Holy Spirit and receiving? Now, this is an interesting word to talk about. Interesting idea to discuss. Now, think about it. These 12 disciples, they were already believers, right? They were already saved. Uh, They were already, before they understood these steps of progression, and, and before they even took every one of them, they were already saved, weren't they? Wasn't I a true believer? Wasn't I saved in that first year or so before I knew anything about the Holy Spirit, before I received him and his gifts and his power? Well, yeah. Yes, I was. And, and, and if that was your case, yes, you were. Well, how is it possible then to have the Holy Spirit? Because you can't say Jesus is the Lord without him. And you can't be transformed and changed and born again without the Spirit causing you to be born again, Right? How how can you have the Holy Spirit, but not yet have received the Spirit? See, that's the question. How can you have him, but not yet have received him? Well, we do that. We, We live in that tension all the time, don't we? Yeah. Come on. Think of how much brain power I have and you have right now. Come on! You're not even used, scientists say, a tenth of your brain, are you? Slackers, lazy people, right? We're not using it. I'm a genius. But I don't know yet, and it doesn't show on my ACT scores, right? Or my SAT scores, or anything else. But I I guarantee I can get a 1600 on on the SAT, right? But no. Think about that all the time. Science shows us that our brains have much more power than we ever use. Doesn't it take education and training to experience our latent brain power? Yes, it does, and that's why it's so important for us to encourage our children, but also us, to be lifelong learners, to apply ourselves to our study, to go on to either training in in some other form of business or on to education in school. Keep going on, develop yourself. Develop your abilities to think and to reason soundly. It's important to be a lifelong learner because we have so much latent brain power that just lays and never gets used. So we have a powerful brain, right? But we haven't tapped into it, and some would say we haven't received all that power yet. Right? We haven't received it. Oh my gosh. Isn't that cool to think about? you have places that you could go if you would receive it. Things you could do, your brain could be developed, your abilities could be developed if you would just receive it. But you gotta receive it. See, it's something like Spider-Man. In the Spider-Man story, right? Peter Parker, he's a normal teenage guy and then one day he gets bitten by a radioactive spider. What happens to him? He starts, he's got all these special abilities, but he doesn't immediately realize all that's given him. And it takes a while. He experiences his powers little by little after they've already been given him. After they're already within his grasp. 
So see, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit who works within us, but the question is, are we really receiving that Spirit who is present? Are we? Have we learned of his presence? Do we understand it? Are we by faith walking in it and in his empowering and presence? See, are we like little children sometimes in our process of discipleship? We've just yet to grow to that place and that stage of development. I think much of the time that's true. If we are indeed disciples and we put our faith in Jesus and we're walking in obedience to him. Our text says that when Paul placed then his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Well, we read the scripture like the Holy Spirit wasn't previously with them or on them or in them. But see, I think that goes too far. Because I can guarantee before I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which happened for me about a year and a year and a half later in my faith, I can guarantee I was talking to him, I was born again. I was, I was set free from certain sin miraculously. I told you I had cuss words erased out of my mind. I couldn't even say them anymore, and I could cuss like a sailor. And I couldn't even think them anymore. The Holy Spirit was working. Jesus was working. I was changing. And so were these folks. They were changing after they believed. So I wouldn't go so far. The Holy Spirit was already with those men who believed in Jesus, who were maturing, and they were resolving their deficiency. This is what Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And so we know that by, what he meant by this is he meant that the spirit whom those who would believe would receive, it would flow from within them. See, up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. I think, you know, when we're ready to completely receive Jesus and his lordship over us and our life, when we are fully ready to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. See, it's not so much that the Spirit comes upon us as it is, because I believe he's present, as it is that he, the switch goes on. He's uncapped. The artesian well is uncapped because he's there and he fills every part of us. And he flows abundantly and he flows freely within our heart, our mind, our faith, because we are in alignment now with God. We're in alignment in what we're believing and receiving. And so that spirit can flow from within us. Man, that's what I experienced. Once, and I'm here to tell you that receiving is so important. God's not going to make you or me have anything we don't want. If we don't have a heart to receive, God will not force it upon us. We will just set in whatever stage we're at with our walk with the Lord. He'll keep calling us. He'll keep giving us messages like this. But if we don't step forward and receive it, he won't make us because he's not a person like that. He, the demons dominate you. They drag you around. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that because he loves you too much and trusts you. 
and he's patient and he's caring. So the Lord will just say, man, this present is waiting for you to receive. But if you won't receive it, well, God bless you. We're going to keep working. We're going to keep moving until you get to the place where you understand and you're willing to receive. And when you are, you can receive it. I can remember receiving that gift, standing on a, on a, on a riverside, having a person pray over me, and a group of people, my, 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 the youth that were there, as well as this person, and they said, Lord, show them that rivers of living water are flowing from within him. And when he prayed for me regarding that, and I was just saying, yeah, God, I want it all, and I'm, I want to walk in obedience to you, and I want it all, it started right here, and it just throughout my whole body, and I could not keep from smiling. I could not keep from almost laughing and smiling. Because I was experiencing the rivers of living water flowing within me. I experienced it on that retreat. This was the retreat that I had gone on, I said. I experienced that in different ways more than once on that retreat. I experienced it once before they prayed for me to understand it, I experienced it another way where, where all of a sudden it was like love just poured upon me and all over me and was flowing within me and without me while I was spending time with the Lord in the forest. And, and you can say, oh, Kelly, you're just a little nutty. Uh, it's very subjective. But that's what Scripture says will happen when the Spirit is revealing himself and coming upon you. It's for you and me. And we're different people, and so the Spirit will come in different ways based upon how we're willing to receive him. Are we completely willing to receive him within us? So, the final question. What is the relationship between the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? Well, I'm not going to really get into that forthright, so to speak. We all deal with deficiencies in our faith and our understanding of the gospel and of the Lord we're following. And the reason why we deal with these deficiencies is because you and I who have come to believe in Jesus, we believe he's real, we've met him, we've committed to walk with him. But guess what? We didn't just find a truth to believe in. We didn't just find a philosophy to get and live by. No, we found God, a being to be in relationship with. See, that's a whole other story. That is... An understanding, and that is an experience all in one. And we are to have a relationship with him. This means that we are growing through the process of getting to know him better and more intimately. We are growing in the process of partnering with him more closely. He is a great shepherd. We're in the process of growing in trust and growing in surrender and building our true knowledge of one another. And we do that over a lifetime of acceptance a lifetime of being on mission together and of celebrating together. We build those things just like you would in any relationship. That's what we're having. And because we're having that, we've got to grow in some things. And I think sometimes when the Spirit, we receive the Spirit, we do speak in spiritual languages. That gift comes, but that gift might come to you a number of years later. Does that mean you weren't filled? No, it just meant that you weren't ready to receive that gift from the Lord. You might get a calling for ministry that comes years later. 
Does that mean that you never had a calling? No, you just weren't ready to receive it and walk in the Lord. Remember I told you how important receiving is, right? With the Lord in our relationship with God. He's not going to force anything on us. He didn't force you to accept him as Lord and Savior, and he's not going to force you to accept his greater works in you through his spirit. He won't do that. But you can receive him. And I want to receive him. <laughs> when I was saved, I said, it's all. I didn't come into salvation backwards. And I won't call it that. I won't use what my family would call that, coming in, you know, backwards. I'm not, no, but that, I didn't do that. And neither should any of us. We come in face forward. Because that's where the Lord wants to meet us, face to face. So once we've followed these formative steps that I outlined earlier, remember the, the believing and the repenting and the receiving. Once we do that, our mind and our heart and our faith are aligned. All of it's aligned and we're ready to receive the gift of the Spirit, to receive the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts that come from receiving Him wholly in our heart and our life. Now they can freely flow. And I'm here to tell you, you can fake gifts a little bit, and gifts get faked in the church even, but you can't fake fruit. <laughs> I'm telling you, the fruit of the Spirit are found in Galatians chapter 5, read them. And uh, you can't fake those if those are coming out in your life. If they're present, people know and they're touched by that, by the fruit of the Spirit. But other gifts could be faked. But you know what the evil one loves? He's got a propaganda thing to keep us from all God's gifts and all God's fruits, as well as the Holy Spirit himself. Don't buy it, and don't let yourself throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're all on a journey as disciples. Where do you, where do I need more doctrinal instruction that's, that's not filled with bias or with fear? Or... You know, just because something bad happened over here. Where do we need good doctrinal instruction? Where do we need to be more focused on Jesus over our love of favorite Bible teachers or favorite authors or favorite denominations? You know, sometimes we get stuck with those things. Remember, if these 12 disciples would have said, well, we're disciples of Apollos, man, and Apollos didn't teach that, and what Apollos taught, that's good enough for me. They could have said that. And what if they go, well, okay, now Paul's our new kind of spiritual hero, and so if Paul says it, I buy it. Well, you know, you better buy it all and listen to John, too. Right? we got to keep going. I'm the only one you can listen to solely. That's a joke. <laughs> Nobody laughed. <laughs> no. You understand what I mean? We don't listen to just one teacher. We want to listen to a multitude of counselors. But we want to know who we can trust. And we want to keep growing in that. So where do we need to focus more on Jesus over these loves of favorite teachers? Because Jesus is your disciple. And he's giving you his Holy Spirit. See, even people who have consciously made Jesus Lord of their lives can still live under the lordship, their own lordship, in their own power. Are we living under Jesus' lordship in our own power? We don't want to do that. But we can. And God will allow us to do that until we're ready not to. Let's not do that. They began in the spirit, Paul says, 
There are certain believers who do, but now they try to attain their goal by human effort. Let's not do that. All of us need to be confronted with the importance of receiving the Spirit in a conscious and continued way. We do. We need to. So did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How do you answer that? And have you continued to receive Him? How do you answer that? Are you continually filled with the Spirit, as Paul put it in Ephesians 5, 18? Are you continually? Do you keep pace with him? If if Jesus needed the Spirit to go into all the world to make disciples, guess what? You and I doubly need the Spirit to do that. We won't be able to accomplish our ministry nor live for Jesus the way he desires without him. Where are you this morning? I want you to stand with me as we close in prayer, and as we close in prayer before the Lord. Amen. You can do business with God today, wherever you are. But if you feel like you need someone to come and pray for you, and pray with you, you can bring somebody up front and take a step of faith and make a public declaration. This is what I want, and I want to walk in in a new reality, and I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I want to receive everything God's have. I'm willing to surrender it all now. And I'm willing to receive him. If you want that this morning, bring somebody with you or come yourself and we'll lay hands on you and we'll pray for you to receive that gift. But you've got to come now if that's what you want. Amen. If not, and there are other things where you feel like, man, I need, I need to do some more study on this. I need to get more information. I just ask you to be careful who you listen to and uh, be careful the direction you go and be open and honest. But the truth, never fear scrutiny. So I'm not worried about that. Go for it. Uh, But don't get bogged down with naysayers. Amen? Believe what the Bible says in the book of Acts. If your experience is not matching what's happening in the book of Acts, don't, don't buy it and don't believe it because it's not worth buying. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just bless you today, and we thank you for taking us one step further to have a more adequate understanding of the gospel, the full gospel. Help us, Lord God, as your people to not leave out the need for believers to receive the Holy Spirit, to walk in truth, and to know that this Holy Spirit is you, Jesus. It's the Spirit of Jesus that has come back to live within us. Our paraclete our counselor, our guide, our teacher, the shepherd who walks right beside us as we live on this earth, who fills us with the gifts of the Spirit and fills us with the fruit of the Spirit, that we would have power to live life, to meet the challenges of life, to overcome and live in God's blessing and goodness. So, Father, bring us into a new revelation and knowledge of this. Bless our congregation with that and and make us more powerful in witness and in ministry and in worship because of that. Bless our families, our marriages, our community as we walk in that new kingdom power, as we walk in your spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. And we all said, Amen. 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 Lord bless you.